Bismillah, bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawlah, amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala, wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. So today, inshallah ta'ala, we are beginning hadith number 16 of Arba'in al-Nawwi. And this is a hadith related by Abu Hurairah, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, in which he says, Anna rajulan qala lil-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, awsini. Qala la taghdab. Fa... That a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, advise me. And the Prophet ﷺ said, don't get angry. And so the man repeated the same request again and again. And each time the Prophet ﷺ said, don't get angry. So it's a very famous hadith. And there's a lot to learn from this hadith. It's a very beautiful hadith. And a very comprehensive one at that. In fact, Al-Haytami, rahimahullah, he says that one can, cannot count the amount of good in this advice Nobody can count how much, how much goodness can come from this advice, nor the amount of evil that it can prevent. We cannot fathom how many people, how many different problems come from anger when we think about how, much, how many problems it creates between two friends, between siblings, between husband and wife, between parents and children. How many times due to anger people have been insulted or led to arguments, led to divorces, how much anger has led to the cutting of different ties, relationships, physical fights, injuries, murder, jail time. SubhanAllah, the list goes on and on and on. How much evil has anger caused? I mean, we really, it's something that we cannot fathom. And hence, it seems very appropriate that this hadith is repeated. Or you find that there's repetition in this hadith. It's so appropriate that SubhanAllah, the Prophet didn't just say, don't get angry, and then left it at that. When you really take the time to count how much evil and how many problems and how much harm has been caused throughout humanity, you realize that this is something very much worthy of repetition over and over again. Don't get angry. Okay, yeah, what's next? No, not what's next. Don't get angry. Yeah, okay, I got it. Give me the next point. No, not the next point. You guys need to seriously stop and think about this. Think about how much evil has been caused in the world because of anger and how much... How much, how, how, how much problem, how many problems can be, could have been resolved or avoided had a person not become angry? So subhanAllah, when you consider how many times you got yourself into trouble because of anger, you realize that, yeah, this is not something that you just listen to and say, don't get angry, got it, next. You don't just roll past it, you really have to think about it. Yes. That now, of course, some scholars, they say that the reason the Prophet ﷺ repeated this advice was because that the Prophet ﷺ knew that this particular questioner, this particular individual, he was somebody who had a short temper and he got uh, angry very often. This is a possibility, but there isn't much evidence to prove this. It's just a hypothesis. Now, so there is really no need for such a hypothesis. Why? Because everybody deals with anger and everybody needs this advice. So whether that is the case or not, it doesn't really change just how powerful and uh, necessary this uh, comprehensive advice is. Now... There's a big question that arises. Is it possible for a person to not become angry? And then when you think about it, you realize, well, no, not really. Anger is a natural state that comes about that you can't really fully control. It just sort of happens to you. You just become angry. Anger isn't really avoidable. And so then the question comes, are we being commanded to do the impossible? Is it even possible to not, you know, don't get angry? How? How is Allah Ta'ala or through, uh, through the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, through the Messenger of Allah, how are we being commanded by Allah Ta'ala to not get angry and if it's essentially impossible? Is there another way to interpret this hadith? Uh, how can we understand this? And so there are three main ways that this hadith can be understood. The first one is how do you behave before you get angry? And what that means is 
The command, لا تغضب, don't get angry, is actually a command to do what is necessary to diminish your temper as much as you can. Before a scenario arises where you, where you feel angry, before that even comes about, do what is necessary in order to become the type of person whose temper has been diminished, inshallah ta'ala. How can you do that? You can do that by spending time with people who are more patient. You can do also things like distance yourself from toxic people or toxic environments that will trigger your anger. And also you can develop praiseworthy characteristics like characteristics of forgiveness, like modesty, like being an easygoing person. These were the qualities of the Prophet ﷺ. The more sunan you bring into your life, the more you bring the Qur'an into your life, you will find that these sunan and these qualities will, inshallah ta'ala, develop within you. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ was not a person who had a short temper. And in fact, we find that Aisha anha, she says what? مَا ضَرَبَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ بِيَدِهِ شَيْئًا قَطْ That the Prophet ﷺ never struck anybody with his hand. إِلَّا أَنْ يُجَاهِدَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Except when he was fighting in war, in battle. وَلَا ضَرَبَ خَادِمًا وَلَا إِمْرَأَةً He never struck a servant and he never struck a woman. So uh, any, this is referring to any of his wives or any woman for that matter. That subhanAllah, the Prophet ﷺ never you know, demonstrated these qualities of getting angry to the point of striking anybody with the one exception which is very obvious in battle. Obviously, if you're trying to save your own life and trying to fight the enemy, then, then obviously uh, this is not considered anything... Um, blameworthy. This is something praiseworthy, in fact. Anas ibn Malik, he narrates that Anas ibn Malik, he says, Khadam to an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ashara sinin, that I served the Prophet, I was a servant of the Prophet for 10 years. Fama qala li uffin, he never once said to me uff. Imagine, 10 years and he never said uff to the, to the Prophet, never said to him. And by the way, the term uff obviously implies any sort of uh, expression of frustration, whether it's rolling your eyes or scoffing, like, oh, I can't believe, are you serious? Like anything like that. Any of these types of noises of scoffing and, and expressing frustration, 10 years. SubhanAllah, we played a soccer game just last night. We didn't last 10 minutes before we were getting, are you kidding me? What was that pass? Come on, man. What are you doing kicking it over there? Are you serious? Like, you know, it, 10 minutes we don't go by without get, expressing some sort of scoffing. SubhanAllah, 10 years. This is miraculous. SubhanAllah al-Azim. It's amazing. 10 years go by and you never express dissatisfaction. SubhanAllah. وَمَا قَالَ لِي لِشَيْءٍ لَمْ أَفْعَلْهُ أَلَا كُنْتَ فَعَلْتَهُ وَلَا لِشَيْءٍ فَعَلْتَهُ لِمَا فَعَلْتَهُ That there never was a time that I uh, had not done something and he say, why didn't you do it? Or that I did something and said, why did you do that? Like never once did he ask me, like what are you doing? Why did you do that? Or why did you not do that? Never once. SubhanAllah. Again, think about how often you say that in your daily life. How often you're like, what are you doing, man? How can you do that? Uh, SubhanAllah, like most of us, we can't go even a few minutes without saying something like this, expressing our disappointment and frustration. And this is, we're talking about 10 years of the Prophet's life. If that is not Dala'il uh, al if that's not part of the evidences of prophethood, then SubhanAllah, I don't know what is. So yes, the first interpretation is try to develop these qualities within you so that you diminish your temper. The second interpretation, la taghdab, what does it mean? Don't get angry. It means when you are in a state of anger, try to extinguish that rage to the greatest extent possible so that you can return to calmness. How can you do this? Well, there's actually a really interesting book called Crucial Conversations. I read it a long time ago, and alhamdulillah, it was actually a very beneficial book on lots of how to have crucial conversations, how to deal with, you know, difficult conversations. And the book begins by talking about how much humanity is like kind of distancing themselves from this reality and how people are avoiding conversations and how we are lacking the skills of engaging in serious conversations. And so we need to, you know, uh, develop these skills. Anyway, it's a very interesting book. And one section talks about anger. And they actually give some really, the author actually uh, presents some very uh, fascinating advice. 
He says, when angry, consider the three following steps. Normally, when somebody gets angry, it's because first there's an event, then there's an emotion, then there's the action. So let's fill this in. Let's, let's give an example. The event is you're at work, somebody, one of your coworkers comes up to you and insults your shirt. Oh, that's, oh, you think that's a nice shirt? That's how you dress? Ha ha ha, whatever. Some sort of insult, right? That's the event. What's the emotion? The emotion is anger, resentment, embarrassment, whatever, you, you name it, right? And then third is the action. Usually it's called fight or flight, silence or violence, uh, however you want to term it. Basically, the person either insults back or he walks away feeling frustrated. So usually these are the two types of reactions that take place. And now normally what you'll find is that in this list of three uh, different steps, the event, then the emotion, then the action, usually you'll find most self-help, self-help books will emphasize between two and three. They'll usually say, yes, you felt the emotion, but before you act, try to, let's say, I don't know, count to 10, calm down, whatever, take a deep breath, etc. right? However, the author of this book, he actually has a very interesting perspective. I thought this was the best point of the book, to be honest. He said, instead of focusing between two and three, focus between one and two. Between the event and the emotion. Try to ask yourself, or try to recognize, that between the event and the emotion, you might think to yourself that, well, my emotion is a natural reaction to what happened, but it's not. In between those two, in between one and two, is actually a, a middle step. You could say like a little uh, 1.2 or 1.5, whatever you want. That there's actually a middle step, which is called what? The story that you tell yourself. The stories we tell ourselves. And what that is, is that the, 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 the guy, the, the fact is, the event was, he insulted you, right? Okay, we got that part. But then, your emotional response was a reaction to the way you interpreted it. The way you interpreted it was what? That he's trying to put me down, he's trying to make me look bad, he's trying to belittle me, he hates me, whatever. But there are many different ways that you could have interpreted that event. There are many different stories you could have told yourself about that event. Let's give some examples. Maybe he's self-conscious about his own shirt, right? Maybe he's hopelessly unfunny and has zero self-awareness, right? He just doesn't know how to tell a joke. Maybe he's threatened by your superior, your superior work ethic. Maybe you're just doing better than him at work, and he is feeling threatened by you as an individual. Maybe he's in trying to press some girl at work, and she keeps on looking at you, and she never looks at him, right? These are all possibilities, right? And so the point is that there's so many different stories you can tell yourself between one and two, between the event and between the emotion. You can say, wait a second, why am I jumping to one in particular interpretation when there are so many different ways that I can interpret this? When you exercise this ability to reinterpret the scenario, subhanAllah, it can have such a different impact on the way your emotional state reacts to it. And so in this way, you can actually extinguish your anger very, very quickly. And there are different ways this book goes into a nice uh, acronym, STATE, S-T-A-T-E, which stands for, STATE stands for, the first one, S is SHARE, as in share your facts. You go up to the person and you say, listen, you made such and such a comment about my shirt earlier. And then you T, tell, which is tell your story. I felt like you were trying to embarrass me. That's how I felt. And then A is for ask for the other person's path. What did you mean by that? What were your, what did you mean by that comment? And then T stands for talk tentatively. I don't know if I misunderstood. Maybe there was some other context I missed. I was wondering if my opinion is this, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, E is for encourage testing. And by saying things like maybe we could ask so-and-so what he thought of that comment and maybe other people saw it differently. So this is STATE, a nice little acronym that you can remember in Shalat Ta'ala, how to go forward and deal with the situation so that you do not lose your temper. I thought that's quite interesting. Anyway, another thing is analyzing yourself. Why am I getting so angry at this statement? Is this really worthy worthy of getting angry at? Especially, Especially trivial things like, oh, we had a difference of opinion, or I don't know, we were watching sports and something happened, or I don't know, uh, someone's not getting exactly what they wanted, and so you lose your temper. 
Now, if you have the ability to calm yourself down, or excuse me, the, the Prophet gave actually several pieces of advice with regards to how to calm yourself down. That when a person becomes angry and he's standing, he should sit down. If the anger leaves him, then well, that's good. But otherwise, he should lie down. There's another hadith which says, That anger comes from the from shaitan, the devil, and that the devil is created from fire, and fire is extinguished by water. So when you, one of you becomes angry, he should make wudu. So these are all different pieces of advice to do what? Stage two or, or, or interpretation number Number two, which is try to diminish that anger by becoming back in a state of calmness, whether by sitting down, relaxing your muscles, not being in a state of readiness or engagement, by making wudu, cooling off. And if you do so, beautiful hadith, man yunfidahu. Anybody who can relax and calm down and swallow their anger while they have the ability to act out on it. Imagine you're in a position where you can beat this guy up. You're in a position where you can give this guy a lot of trouble, and yet you can somehow Manage to calm yourself down. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would call him in front of all of the creation on judgment day so that he can pick one of the hur and ain, whichever one he wants. He will have this position where it's like, congratulations, in front of everybody, you get to pick the one that you like. You know why? Because you were able to calm down. SubhanAllah, what a beautiful encouragement for us. That there's another hadith in which the Prophet is mentioned in Bukhari. The Prophet, there was two men in front of the Prophet that were cursing each other and one of them his face became red the prophet said what inni la a'lamu kalimatan law qalaha la dhahaba anhu ma yajidu law law qala a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim he said i know a word that if this person just said this then this red state his anger it would go away and this is saying what a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim and then so the sahaba they said qalu lil rajuli ala tasma' ma yaqulu an-nabi they said to the, the guy didn't you hear what the prophet said just say a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim and the guy responds and says qala inni lastu he goes, I'm not crazy. Because <laughs> he's thinking that A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajim means get this shaitan out of me because he's a crazy person, like he's Majnoon. But the guy didn't understand that no, it's not that either you're completely insane, possessed by a devil, or you're nothing. No, there's, there's in between stages, and one of them is that the shaitan is playing with you and riling you up and making you angry. So he didn't fully comprehend, or maybe he wanted to resist. Allah knows best. So, first interpretation, like we mentioned, is try to develop the qualities of somebody who doesn't lose their temper uh, prior to an angry event. Second one is while angry, try to actually calm yourself on the inside. And the third interpretation is what? When you are angry, don't act on your anger. You might be boiling on the inside, just don't let it come out. This is especially useful for people who say things like, oh, I naturally have a short temper. Okay, fine, maybe you do. And maybe you can have that anger on the inside, but that doesn't mean you have to speak, that doesn't mean you have to act. You can simply hold it within. And we should realize that SubhanAllah, the more somebody develops their deen, then inshallah ta'ala, the more they will realize just how insignificant this dunya is, and it'll make it easier for them to not take things so seriously bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Also, if they remember their own mistakes, and also if they recognize that everybody makes mistakes and everybody needs forgiveness. That the Prophet ﷺ said, what? لَيْسَ الشَّدِيدُ بِالسُرْعَةِ إِنَّمَا الشَّدِيدُ الَّذِي that the strong man is not the one who can wrestle well or throw somebody to the ground. The powerful one, rather the one who is strong, is he who can control himself in a fit of rage. The Prophet gave such comprehensive advice when he said, If one of you is angry, just be quiet. Just try this out. If you can't do anything, just try this one piece of advice out. When you feel very angry and you know you have a 
50 things come to mind. I can insult them like this. I could bring up that. I could tell them about this. I could say this. When all these things come into mind, just try to say, you know what? Let me hold my tongue until this rage passes. Then I will find my words. And then I will be able to speak a little bit more calmly. Don't speak while angry. And always remember the dua of the Prophet. This is part of a longer hadith in Sunan al-Nasa'i. It's an authentic hadith as well. It's Hassan. And it's a, uh, but one portion of this dua says, وَأَسْأَلُكَ O oh Allah, I ask you, كَلِمَةَ الْحَقِّ فِي الرِّضَى فِي الرِّضَى وَالْغَضَبِ O oh Allah, I ask you for true speech in both contentment and in anger. What a beautiful dua. Now, this brings up a very important question, which is that, wait a second, if it's saying, la taghdab, don't get angry, is there ever a moment in which anger is actually a good thing? Is there ever the case where being angry is a good thing? And the answer is yes. That the Prophet ﷺ did used to get angry, but not for his own sake, not for personal reasons, but rather, fi sabilillah, getting angry when the, the, the laws and the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were being violated. So in these circumstances, yes, anger is not only uh, allowed, but it's actually necessary and recommend, uh, necessary. Obviously, if you love Allah Ta'ala, and if you love the truth, then you are going to hate falsehood. That, that those things go hand in hand, you can't uh, avoid it. So, for instance, the Prophet said very clearly, that the most firm rope of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, excuse me, the most firm rope uh, of ropes of Iman are what? Al-Mu'alatu fillahi, wal-Mu'adatu fillahi, wal-Hubbu fillahi, wal-Bughdu fillahi, Azza wa Jal. That the most of, uh, the, the most of the, f- of, of the firm ropes of faith are what? Allegiance for Allah's sake and enmity for Allah's sake. Love for Allah's sake and hatred for Allah's sake. So you have to have both. You have to be able to love and hate fi sabilillah. Now what does it mean to hate fi sabilillah? It means that obviously you hate when you see haram, you hate to see people do evil things, that this bothers you. And now obviously you have to go about it in a, in a, in a way of hikmah. You don't just lose your temper and start screaming at people. That's not effective da'wah. But that, that inside, deep inside, there has to be distaste and uncomfort, discomfort with seeing people lying and cheating and stealing and murdering and all the different things that are haram and evil. Now what I find to be very true and consistent, and I've heard this many, uh, not just from my own experience, but many different people have, uh, you know, uh, corroborated this. It's that you'll find most often that when somebody only gets angry for personal reasons, they don't usually express any anger towards uh, uh, the violations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and vice versa. When somebody is focused on getting angry fi sabilillah, you find that their own personal offenses, they kind of let it go. And so I've seen people personally who they are the type of people that get so mad in, a, in an arbitrary conversation. Somebody's talking about, is this movie better or is that one? Is this, I don't know, uh, soccer player better or that one? Or something, some nonsense, you know, some trivial matter. And this person's getting up and getting loud and storming in circles and threatening and, you know, get, losing their mind about some small issue. Then, when it comes to something like completely haram, and you say, aren't you gonna say something? Oh, you know, brother, I don't get involved in these issues. You're not gonna, you're not gonna say anything. You're not gonna, you're not gonna give the person advice. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna express anything at all. No, 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 you know, you know, it's between them and Allah, you know, me, I, I'm not, I don't usually get involved in these things. Subhanallah. And yet exactly the opposite is true. When somebody gets upset and angry when, when they see that, that people are lying or cheating or doing something wrong, not for their own personal sake, but fi sabilillah, for the sake of Allah, when something is wrong, they stand up for what's wrong, then when you find that this person has some sort of personal offense, somebody insults them, like don't even worry about it, it's okay. I know you're just joking around, it's okay, didn't bother me too much, whatever the case is. So subhanallah, this is a, a very true. So inshallah ta'ala, there are many different uh, ayat and ahadith Allah Ta'ala says what? وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ أُعِدَّةِ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ فِي السَّرَّاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ وَالْكَاظِمِينَ الْغَيْظِ 
That Allah says that, and race each other and hasten to the forgiveness from your Lord and the gardens of which the width are the heavens and the earth prepared for the righteous who spend during ease and in hardship. They're always giving fisa bilillah and who restrain anger and pardon people. And Allah loves those who are muhsinin, those who do ihsan. This ayah is so beautiful. Why? Because it's talking about pardoning and it's also associating it with the idea of racing and, and, and trying to beat each other in speed. Why is that so significant? Why is that so important? And the reason is because what? What that means is that if two people get into a fight and they are not talking to one another, in the back of their mind, if they remember these ayat and they remember that Jannah is, is their goal, then subhanAllah, what they're going to say is, I want to race and apologize before he apologizes to me. I want to race to him and make sure that I'm the first one. And this is what they, I mean, even in dunya, people respect it, you know, when they say, oh, who was the bigger man? Who's going to be the bigger man? And say, you know what? I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? Let's talk. Let's sit down. You know, and it's usually the smaller man who's saying what? Oh, well, you know, I don't want to talk to him and I'm still upset and so on and so forth. Who's going to be the bigger man? This is something to race for. This is something that you should be competing for, that you want to be the first one to go up to the other guy and say, you know what? I, I apologize for what I did wrong. And, you know, I hope we can reconcile. I hope we can talk it out and figure it out. Inshallah ta'ala. Yes. So, uh, subhanAllah. Uh, inshallah ta'ala, with that, I think uh, we will close. There are other ayat and other hadith on this matter. But inshallah ta'ala, I think I'm going to keep it cl- uh, sh- brief. Mostly because I'm hoping that uh, we will open up for comments and questions bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. So may Allah ta'ala make us of those who can control our anger. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who try to foster an environment that will make us patient people. That Allah ta'ala makes us of those who can control our anger and uh, find ways to calm ourselves. And also that even if we are extremely angry, we, we have the control not to speak a bad word or to do something uh, wrong. And of course, may Allah ta'ala make us of those who uh, are always angry for the right reasons. When we see injustice, when we see evil, when we see wrongdoing, these things should anger us, and that is part of Iman. So may Allah ta'ala always keep us angry for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.